0: you can only call yourself a big dog if you've if you've spent x amount in vegas or whether there's
1: rules about that i don't know but it's it's serious it sounds serious self-description of big dog is different than verified
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to a brand new episode of Battery Mates. We've got a good one for you, everybody. Um, I'm saying that early. I don't know if I should be saying that early, but I think it's going to be a good one. Um, Coming from Chicago, I'm Toby. uh, And joining me, as always, from uh, somewhere in England is Matthew.
0: Manchester, England, the the more famous of the Manchesters um, in old England. Uh, Good to be with you again. It's been a while.
2: Yeah, it has. Um, mostly because I've had COVID, um, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we won't talk about that, but we can talk about that. Um, but today we have another person on our show. We have a guest, uh, Matthew, and uh, I'd like to, to to bring him in right now. Um, J.D. Scholten, um, welcome to Battery Mates, uh, your first appearance here uh, on this baseball politics show. I was joking around that you are a perfect Venn diagram for this program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
1: I- I'm honored, honored to be on here, and, and I'm glad you said first, because you know what? Why not? Let's do some more. We've been looking to replace Matthew,
2: um, <laughs> You know, and we're both on Central Times. And this works out really well, yeah. uh, but for people who don't know, um, JD is a current candidate for the Iowa House um, and former congressional opponent of Steve King, which <laughs> I'm sure you have stories, and um, also <laughs> a former professional baseball player. I believe you still play baseball. Uh, yeah,
1: I've been pitching tomorrow night.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, we, we had to, we've had to reschedule this a few times, um, again, mostly because I've had COVID. And last time what we rescheduled, you um, said, oh, good, I'll get some long toss in. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not usually what our guests say when we cancel. Uh,
1: but welcome to the show. I, thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. And I'll just say uh, my Manchester, uh, the only time I've been to a, a Premier League game was I was playing baseball in Belgium. And I had a like a the only game that could really work was a midweek game and got a cheap flight, uh, stayed at a dive hostel and went to a, a Manchester City game uh, playing West Ham United. Uh, I Gosh, I don't know, like 2009 ish or something. But uh, it was a, a great experience.
0: It's a it's a great stadium and it's a great city. Uh, even the even the dive hostels are pretty swanky in, in Manchester, I think. At least they have character. <laughs>
1: it was. I, I I was just fascinated by it, but uh, yeah, we, we can, t- we can use soccer for an, uh, or football, whatever you want to call it. Uh, day. <laughs> Today's baseball. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we have got, we have got a little bit of football baseball related football chat um, <laughs> later on, but I just want to say before we get to the rapid fire questions, I think this is the first time that I've ever found the mass emails that candidates send out for fundraising and mobilization useful for baseball purposes we got in touch with you because uh you I'm on your campaign list i th- presumably from the from the congressional um run you had against steve king um i'm still on the list and <clears throat> usually i just go through and delete 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 and i the subject line was mlb blackouts <laughs> and i was like okay a candidate writing writing a, a, a campaign email about mlb blackouts i'm going <laughs> to open that one and, and here we are, so, so thanks, for, thanks for running a, a, a campaign email list that isn't full of trash and, and fundraising <laughs> appeals, but is actually
1: interesting to our interests. You know, uh, I have an esoteric <laughs> view of politics, and I'm glad it connected with one person at least. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, J.D., we'd like to start our, uh, our guests off um, in the hot seat with some rapid-fire questions. Um, are, are you prepared to, uh, to, to kind of jump in here?
1: Uh, I, I mean, do I have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm ready. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah.
2: Uh, Matthew, you want to start us off?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a little while, as just just preview. But Iwan's um, have a, a really wide range of teams to to pick for. Uh,
1: we spent a lot of time trying to find this out. But who is who is your team and why? Uh, 100% Minnesota Twins. Uh, I grew up in the Kirby Puckett era. Um, and then even like during like the post-strike, like when I was a teenager, uh, 94 strike, like around that time, uh, Brad Rackey is, is like, to me, is one of the greatest pitchers. Uh, I mean, he got his 20 game season when they won like 50 games overall, to me, is like one of the most underrated pitching performances uh um, um, in in the last I don't know thirty years in in Major League Baseball, so um, that and I would I might when I've been asked this the last oh what like ten years uh, I always said whatever team Tony Watson is on uh, he's a, a friend of mine but he just retired and uh, um, has the MLB record of holds uh, <laughs> another unique little uh, stat. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, he he broke Arthur Rhodes' uh, record, and uh, he's a good friend of mine.
2: Oh, I I didn't know he had the record for holds. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. How many is the record? uh, 200 and – I want to say, like, 247. I I could be completely wrong, but that that seems about right. And it's interesting because, like, to have the record, you have to be a dominant reliever who throws, like, in the later innings, but not – too good where you're <laughs> a closer. <laughs> and so, so it tends to be a lefty, you know? Okay. Like, yeah. So, he, I mean, Tony was a closer for a little bit, but like, just great career. And as good a baseball career he has, he's even a better person. And so um, I'm wishing him the best in his retirement.
2: Well, speaking of, uh, well, thinking of your your time as a player, um, and you're you know, obviously still playing, uh, do you have any major superstitions as a player, like on the field?
1: Uh, I mean i don't call them superstitions i have routines okay. <laughs> uh there might be a little quirky um i mean obviously the no lines never step on a line sure. um you know i have this weird thing going into each inning i have to in my mind i kind of acknowledge each player in order before and but i do it as i get to the ball and just go around the mound and so like you could easily not you could just see oh he's just walking is like waiting to get on the mound but uh yeah, I just few things like that. Um, I mean i I don't know i I tend to wear the same things when things go well and mix it up when it doesn't. and so um, I don't know I don't know where the line is on uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's what's maybe a little bit of obsessive compulsive <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff versus superstition or or just baseball.
2: Right, you're not sacrificing animals. Um, <laughs> that, that seems pretty no. normal, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm Peter-friendly when it comes to my pitching. <laughs> so we we tend to watch games rather than playing
0: them, um, mm-hmm. uh, speaking for, for myself. Um, you're a Twins fan, so give us a, a kind of a, a one-minute summary of your, of your game day. Are you tailgating? How early are you getting down there? You, what inning do you have your first beer uh, yeah. if you catch a ball are you keeping it or giving it to a kid what's your what's your what is your typical game day
1: look like so i'm i would say typical these days is meeting up with a friend at a bar before the game um getting there before first pitch uh usually around national anthem time uh and then if i ever i get a foul ball uh i will automatically give it to a kid it, so I was living out in Seattle a few years ago, and uh, my law firm that I was working at at the time, I was a paralegal, it had amazing tickets uh, right down the left field line, first row. And so first thing I did when I, I got the job, and and uh, they brought me out to Seattle from uh, Minneapolis when I was living in Minneapolis, and uh, I didn't have many friends. I, I kind of went sight unseen out there. And, and Uh, So I, first thing I did was befriend the person who was in charge of giving out the tickets. (laughs) And so anytime like a partners wouldn't want them or whatever, like she just like you want them. I'm like, absolutely. And so I went to a disproportionate amount of, of Mariners games from 2012 to, to, uh, 2016. And so, um, I, I went to one of the, and usually it's, you wouldn't get opening night and probably not the second night, but the third night, it was always like, it's in that time of year, it's cold and everything. So I'm front row and there's, uh, usually the, the foul, uh, ball person, whether, um, is, is usually in front of us for whatever reason, this person w- must've been new and was behind me and there's a foul ball and I'm six, six. <laughs> and I, re- I mean, I reached out and, um, uh, I also had, so like I went back on the broadcast and I looked and there I am outstretched <laughs> out of everything. And so fast forward a year to the day, I'm same game or same seats. I'm, I have a game. I'm showing my friends the picture of the year before and somehow the TV caught that. And so <laughs> for two consecutive years, I got on uh, Mariners broadcast about this foul ball and, and the foul ball, I gave it to, uh, uh, I, I had three of my friends with, and my buddy's girlfriend at the time, uh, didn't have, I've never been to a major league game. So I gave her the ball. That seems
2: like a, that's a, that's a, yeah. that's a so, very good routine and also smart yeah. move on befriending the, the ticket I, uh, broker.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. And never, like I'm a person never leave the game early. Like, like I, yeah. as I get older, like even when like, like I, I might leave the ninth if it's a 12 to one game or something like that. But like, I'm, I'm staying for the most part. You don't leave a play early. You don't leave a movie early. I, I, I rarely, rarely leave a, a game early.
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I um I am I too count myself as someone who never leaves the game early and I have now two uh amazing uh instances of, of, of failure at, at that. Um the most recent one was I am a Cleveland fan. I grew up in, in Cleveland or outside of Cleveland. I'm sorry. And <laughs> and we uh it's we, uh, you know, I live in Chicago, so I, I get to see him several times a year, generally. Um, and a couple of buddies and I went uh, a couple of weeks ago when they were playing the, the White Sox, and we were we were losing six to two, and we gave up a two run shot in the in the you know bottom of the eighth, and it was like you know one of those things it was a school night, you know, and yep. we were all kind of like done, uh, and so we just you know, decided we'll we'll leave. We get on the train and immediately. Cleveland has tied it up uh, in the ninth inning, <laughs> six runs in the ninth to tie it went to extras and we're finding we're trying to get off the train as soon as we can to go find a bar to watch the last couple of innings in uh, but yeah that was a and we ended up winning the game in the 11th so uh, it's nice. just like every time I decide oh this time's okay to leave early it always comes back to bite me
1: right. um, <laughs> I mean as as we get older I mean it is the games are getting longer and especially when you have kids and and all that like it is it's, it's getting harder and harder to go to games i will say yeah. that
2: the um you actually answered the one of our uh our next questions already so i'm going to switch it up and just say like uh open open-ended here tell us about your current race um and give yeah give us the pitch why should why you know you have an, an yeah. a, you know audience of at least two or three people um <laughs> <laughs> uh who who are probably capable of of becoming donors so
1: Oh, well, uh, I will say this, that uh, I'll be full disclosure right now. Uh, we are one or less than a week away from the primary, and then uh, I don't have a primary opponent. And as of now, knock on wood, I don't have a general opponent. Uh, but that being said, uh, we we don't know until probably about August if I will have an opponent. Um, but we are trying to do some things uh, on a – Uh, organization, like organizing, field organizing, getting out there and trying to do a couple different things and do a deep dive in the district and pull out as many votes as possible. And so what we're trying to do with the 2022 campaign is to build something larger for 2024 and beyond. And and we're trying to test a few things out. And so that's the big thing about our campaign and and why uh, we're aggressively still fundraising, even though I don't have an opponent.
2: That's awesome. Anything you can yeah. uh, kind of in terms of these ex- exper- experimentation that you you can you talk so, about?
1: Yeah, 30 percent of the district's Latino. And so I really want to do a deep dive in voter registration and, and different things like that, which honestly, we we haven't really done as Woodbury Democrats, our county Democratic. Uh, we've tried, but it just we haven't been able to to bridge that gap a little bit. Um, and, and so there's there's different parks all throughout. Uh, the district, and so one of the things I would really like to do is whether it's a food truck or an ice cream truck or, or something, uh, I really want to organize neighborhood by neighborhood and bring them out and saying, "Hey, you can have a free ice cream cone, free tacos, whatever it is," uh, uh, and we just want to get your information to potentially for GOTV to get our information out and and just build relationships that way. And so that's uh, that's that's one of the things. And then adding like a digital uh, organizing component to that uh, is another thing. And so uh, without giving out too much, that's it's (laughs) that's kind of the, (laughs) the basis of it.
2: Sounds great. That sounds, and it sounds like a really, you know, not having an opponent is a very good place to be. Um,
1: thank- you know, they didn't <laughs> tell me that—that's what the way to go. <laughs> so here I go, running in a congressional race that has seventy thousand more registered Republicans and Democrats, and just running uphill for for four consecutive years, working my tail off, and then all of a sudden, here we go. So. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Matthew.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that that uh, that's one part of your your uh, uh, career. The other part of your career is 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 the is the baseball. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. Um, the I, I know Toby wants to talk about um, uh, your uh, Nebraska team, but being living in England, I want to talk about the fact that you ended up playing seven different countries around the world, playing baseball in France, Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands. Cuba, and I think Canada, yep, as well as the United States. Uh, I mean, two questions for me. Firstly, uh, is it legal to play baseball in Cuba? And secondly, how did you manage to play baseball in so many different countries without playing in the UK?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so, okay. I'll do a brief rundown of my, my, my background, if that works. Uh, and then it kind of... Uh, Leads into some of this. So, uh, I played out of high school. I got recruited by my dad, uh, who was a Division two college baseball coach. And it's hard to say no to <laughs> your dad. And so, how did he find um, <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, he was recruiting me for eighteen different years. <laughs> and so, um, no, uh, and then ended up. Uh, do I did all I could at the D two level, and I thought you know I had a chance to get drafted, but uh, I I thought you know I'll give uh, D one chance. I grew up despising the University of Nebraska. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Being an Iowa kid, like both, whether it's Iowa State or Iowa, Nebraska is one of the top teams you root against. But uh, they had an unbelievable baseball program at that time. In 2001, they went to the College World Series. And and when I decided to transfer, uh, I was playing out of Beatrice, Nebraska. I was working their camps. And then they started recruiting me, and they actually, things worked out. And I led the college world series team in ERA that year. Uh, I didn't get a ton of, uh, uh, outings. And, and so I didn't get drafted. So I ended up turning to indie ball, uh, went up to, uh, I did a, a tryout in Calgary, um, in Alberta. And I got signed to play in this new Canadian baseball league that only lasted half a year. And so I was up in Saskatoon, um, And then ended up uh, playing the rest of the year in my hometown, Sioux City Explorers. Uh, Played the whole next season with the Explorers. And then uh, I ended up um, uh, thinking about retiring. And then I was working at a bookstore in, in Minneapolis, long winter. And it was a night where, like, I think it snowed or something. And I just got on the internet. I sent an email or I saw a website that a team in Belgium needed a picture. I sent an email. And two weeks later, I was on a flight. And I ended up uh, winning MVP of the Belgian league um, came back. And then uh, I, I, I didn't know really what I wanted to do and, and ended up getting an offer or played out in France for a little bit. But then uh, I, I ended up, things didn't work out there and ended up coming back to and played with the explorers again. Uh had my best year that year, and then tried it again the next year and started off great. And then it just went downhill fast. And then, um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. And so I uh, ended up working as a paralegal and uh, I, I was working like till 10 PM every night and ended up uh, getting uh, my assistant coach in Belgium, uh, had a team, a different team that he was coaching and it's like, Hey, do you want to come? And without like hesitation or even thought, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> and so my, my law firm ended up giving me a, they didn't have anything. They said, we'll hire you, you back, but then they didn't want to lose me. So they uh, decided to give me – I had to sign they, – they, like, crossed out, like, maternity, because <laughs> so, it was, like, a three-month <laughs> leave of absence. And so, like, they I didn't have anything like it. And so uh, I came back, played. Uh, so uh, when I was back working at a law firm in Minneapolis, Minnesota has amazing town team baseball. And I, I think it was Sports Illustrated had, like, the top 50 things sports fans should uh, attend once in their lives – And in the top 50 was uh, the town team state tournament uh, here in Minnesota or up in Minnesota. And so uh, that's where, uh, like, just I I got to know these group of guys, just there's you go to these small towns. uh, They sell beer for a buck and some of the most beautiful fields you ever play on. And Hmm. it's just pure Americana. And I I absolutely loved it. And so I uh, played there. and, And then I thought, you know what, I got one more good year left in me. I ended up playing in uh, Belgium. Uh, no, I'm sorry, in Germany. Uh, season ended, came back. Uh, my law firm was on a hiring freeze and ended up getting this job in Seattle. And when I moved out there, uh, I played on a college age, uh, or it was, it was kind of a college summer team, but as long as you had amateur status, you could play. And I was seven years older than the coach. And <laughs> we ended up making this huge tournament called the NBC World Series. Uh, in Wichita, Kansas, uh, most, if you played in college baseball, you, you had a good chance that you, you played it there or, or, um, like one of your teammates did. And, uh, we, we were the, uh, lowest seated team to make it that year. And we faced the two time defending champs. And so I, that, that team was loaded with guys from Texas, uh, Cal Poly, like all like huge D one programs. And here I am at 34, I think I was, or 33. And I ended up losing to them. I think when I got out of the game, it was two nothing after seven or something like that. And uh, their coach was so impressed. He's like, Hey, I'm putting together this team to go to Cuba and for 10 days of exhibition games. And so uh, would you want to go? We're looking for uh, some additional arms. And I was just like, Awesome. Count me in. And so <laughs> one of the best on and off the field experiences of my life. Uh, and then I didn't play for seven years. And and then last summer, um, I I called up my my uh, old um, team up in Minnesota and said, hey, uh, uh, my folks are up there and, and everything. I was like, uh, I, my work is all remote. Uh, could you use another arm? And I go, I have no idea if I can last the season. I don't know if I could, (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know where I am, but what I have, I will give my all. And they said, of course. And I ended up going 10 and one. Uh, I had a perfect game in the uh, state tournament uh, after eight or going into the eighth inning. And then we ended up losing. uh, I I was out after the ninth, but we ended up losing one, nothing in, in 12. And so that ended last year. And so that's that's a very long-winded answer. I apologize if <laughs> that took up a of time, but that's that's my career. And, and, and it wasn't so much moving up the ranks as, as levels, as more geographically diverse. And it, it's definitely a very different path. That is a hell of a way to see the world. Oh, my goodness. Like, to be able to play baseball and travel. And I, I think I've been to 12 different European countries just because, like, when we had – uh, off season or a week off or something like that. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I, 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 cherish, absolutely cherish, uh, um, all my travels in baseball.
2: If the Mo Berg story wasn't already like out there in pretty public, I'd be pretty skeptical of, of what you actually were doing, uh, when you were <laughs> traveling around the world, playing, playing <laughs> professional baseball in um, in Cuba. Um, no, <laughs>
1: that, I mean, that was just nuts. That was just nuts. And so, um, uh, but yeah, I, and I should, I should say I'm definitely not CIA just so you guys know. <laughs>
2: I would imagine you're required <laughs> no, to say that.
1: Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what a CIA
0: agent says. So, I mean, and oh. do, you, do you have, do you have a favorite amongst the countries? Like, I mean, a favorite country to be in, but also which of those countries
1: loved baseball the most who who was who was most into it I mean I will say that the the European baseball is just so unique because you'll face like a guy who played in the international tournament who'd go three for four against team Cuba, and then then two batters later is like an eighteen year old who just has been playing for a couple of years, and so like it's kind of a mixed mash of things, but like um it was like Belgium was so easy as an American to live in. Germany where we were at uh I, I just loved it. It was very fascinating. I was in Solingen um uh which is kind of between uh, Dusseldorf and Cologne um and but like without a doubt Cuba was was I would say the two things that stick out in my career that that just like were whoa, I can't believe I, I, I'm here type of situations was one, the college world series. Cause I went there every year. I grew up just a little over an hour North and went every year with my dad. And then uh, the Cuba thing, like hearing the U S national anthem in Cuba, as we were p- for a game, like it, I, I got emotional. Cause I was just like, yeah. man, I'm just this little punk from Sioux city, Iowa. and <laughs> Here I am being able to play and, and, for them to view me as an American to come over. Like it was a national, very much a national thing. And, and like, these were just exhibition games and they were getting three, 5,000 people and just like banging Whoa. drums. And it was, it was great atmosphere.
2: I'm yeah, that's I and mean, that sounds incredible. I mean, I, I, am I'm, I'm still, so, I'm so impressed that you're still playing um, mostly because my body hurts doing like the most random things and to be <laughs> on the other side of 40 playing, you know, competitive baseball. And do you say having a perfect game through eight in going into the eighth inning?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Going into the eighth. Like, so, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's luck, uh, as much as anything, but like, I, I take everything very seriously. Like when it comes to baseball, like my prep time, like I, I don't drink 48 hours before my games, uh, definitely drink after my games. (laughs) 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 Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. Like I have a set schedule and I prioritize uh, this. And like, even like back in January, February, I would get my three um, uh, days of throwing my off. My next day would be a a lift day. And like, I have my routine and everything. Um, And so it's, it's, it's definitely challenging on my body, but at the same time, like, like to me, it's, there's not a right, especially right now there's not a better feeling than striking out a college kid, like a kid who <laughs> just finishes college season. And like, I, I just, because I'm just like at 42, what are you going to be doing? Because, because <laughs> I just struck your ass out.
0: <laughs> uh, do, you just, do, you, do you ever, do you ever think is this uh, kid a uh, potential voter before you say that? To <laughs> him? <laughs>
1: Oh man, now now you're gonna get in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, uh, it, it's you know, at the end of the day, I'll have a beer with them after the game, and <laughs> yeah, if yeah. they're of age.
2: It's pretty cool to say my representative struck me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want people who, the best of us, to uh, to service in legislative yeah, bodies. Exactly. Well, let's um, take a minute to go around the horn on what's going on in baseball right now. There's a lot of fun, fun stuff going on. And let's start with something that no one probably is paying attention to, except for Matthew. Um, Matthew, tell us. And uh, JD, feel free to weigh in on any of this stuff um, as much as you want. um, Or on the specific question, Um, maybe it's just going to be Matthew talking. (laughs) Matthew, tell (laughs) us what's going on with the Brewers owners and uh, Norwich.
0: Okay. Okay. This is, Worlds Collide doesn't even begin to cover this. Norwich City, my team in England, we've been in the Premier League this year. We weren't the year before. We were the year before that. We weren't the year before. We go up and down, relegation, promotion. We're a very, very small market team. Um, we 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 punch above our weight, but our weight is so low that it really doesn't count for much. Um, And the reason for that is that we don't have the money to compete with the likes of Manchester city or Chelsea. We're owned by a celebrity TV cook called Delia Smith, whose net worth is around $30 million. Uh, Compare that to uh, the owners of uh, Manchester city at around $1 trillion, something (laughs) ridiculous. Um, It isn't close. So big, big news is broken this week. Uh, There is an investor who is interested in buying into the club, either as a a takeover to become the owner or to become part of the ownership group, along with the TV chef. Uh, And it's Mark uh, Anastasio, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. He was in Norwich last weekend for the last game of the EPL season, uh, photographed on the field with the um, president of baseball operations from the Brewers uh another one of the front office uh staff uh back office staff sorry and his two children both of whom were wearing norwich city scarves and there is a huge amount of excitement in this like my i have my football community and i have my baseball community and both are talking about the same thing for the first time ever but it's really really good it's, the th- really interesting thing for us is we have been a holdout as a as a football club against big, rich, wealthy ownership. Like we're owned by this TV chef who is from Norwich. She is a Norwich fan. She goes to all of the games. She goes to exhibition games. She is totally obsessed with Norwich City, and we've kind of been a holdout in the in the football world from. Um, The big, big money owners. So there's a bit of nervousness about being bought out by anyone or having an investment by anyone. Everyone's been looking at the brewers. Everyone's been looking at Wisconsin and the way that the uh, ownership of the brewers um, operates. And basically people in Norwich, England are discovering uh, Midwest nice. Uh, and kind of like wow, they like community there, and uh, you know he got his dad to sing the national anthem before games, so everyone's tremendously excited. That maybe we've we found like the one really really nice rich dude, uh, tremendously excited about that. I don't know very much about the brewers, so I'm really interested in both of y'all's takes on this. But the one thing that really blew my mind in terms of worlds colliding was as soon as I heard he was investing, potentially investing, I went to the FEC website not most norwich fans didn't do that uh but i'm a bit (laughs) weird i went to the fec website to check on his donor history he did donate to george w bush in 2000 uh but he hasn't donated to any republicans since 2004 only democrats and quite heavily to democrats not Kind of like one of the mega donors, but you know he maxes out every year to to Russ when 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 Fine was was running. But here's the here's the one thing in 2007, Mark Anastasio, a potential investor in my soccer team in England, donated to Mitt Romney in his 2007 uh, primary race. The context here, JD, is Toby and I uh, met working together on the Obama 2012 uh, campaign. We both worked in Chicago. And my job was head of digital rapid response. So everything you saw on the internet about Mitt Romney came through my team. I am completely and totally obsessed by Mitt Romney. He devoured my entire life. Every single waking minute of every moment of every day was thinking about or writing about or talking about Mitt Romney. And now the guy who might own my football club in England is a former donor to Mitt Romney. And. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how to process the information.
1: <laughs>
0: that is amazing.
1: Uh, uh, all of that. Um, I, I well I, here's two things that I, I don't want to do, but I'm doing it. One, well, <laughs> it, I guess it's, it's combined. So I respect the small market teams and the community based and all, all that, but uh, I will say that the the Chicago, or the baseball to uh, premier league thing that I've been focused on is the Ricketts situation with the Cubs uh trying to yeah. buy uh, Chelsea. Chelsea so yeah so even though I'm not a Cubs fan I uh, um I I mean regular field is is having all that stuff um but like here here comes Ricketts complaining as a major league owner that they don't have enough team that I have enough money to make a a competitive team they're losing money oh woe is me and then here they try to buy for a billion dollars or maybe it was two billion dollars I don't know Chelsea and like that to me is the epitome of of just like everything I hate absolutely (laughs) everything I hate and and so uh, I am, ex- I'm excited for this. Um, most owners I'm very cautious with. Uh, I, I have uh, written about and been very vocal about my frustrations with MLB um, it, because of a lot of the ownership. Uh, have, they pick the commissioner and fans don't have a say. Players don't have a, as much a say as you would think. Uh, even though their union is, is powerful, but the, it's still limited and minor league players don't have a union minor league owners don't have uh, uh, much capability as well. And so, uh, but I think that's awesome. So I don't know, you know, I don't have a, t- a, a soccer team out, out. Uh, I'm, you know, you, you might've convinced me for this. And so we'll see. <laughs> the one thing I would say,
0: I, I'm in this hallway. Um um, bumping into Americans who are interested in soccer but have a team and, and convincing them to be Norwich fans over the years has been a mixed bag because we go up and down in, into the EPL and back out again and into EPL. Basically, all of my friends who have become Norwich fans can only get EPL games, so you don't oh. get the championship games and so on. So, basically, they're Norwich fans every other year. When you're in EPL, <laughs> I, they'll, they'll root for the
1: team. I love regulation. I love it. Like right. if you're not good yeah. enough, go down. Let's bring somebody else. Give them a chance. And and then if you oh. prove yourself, give it. Get another chance. I wish the American system was set up that way. Because like baseball right now is struggling with that. Oh yeah. I mean the the Pirates, the the Orioles. Uh, when you can still be profitable, and this was the Cubs model for so many years, even before Ricketts was, they could still make a profit. Why, why um, have a winning team? Why? spend millions of dollars on these top-notch players when you can still make a profit
0: so i mean you, it sounds like you're reading from our um <laughs> submission to the collective <laughs> bargaining agreement talks i've i've always been you know orio should be in triple a right now mm-hmm. and come back when you're ready um <laughs> but the nationals are now tanking so i'm not sure i'm <laughs> still on board with that but anyway anyway yeah so that, that's enough soccer chat should we should we, we yeah let's take a quick word from our sponsor
2: This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by YouTube, presenting the MLB Game of the Week. Our national pastime of mainlining funny clips that eventually autoplay into right-wing militia recruitment videos welcomes our national pastime of yore. Baseball has never been more at home. This internet-only broadcast features our paid announcers, a former player with zero broadcasting experience, and a guy we can only assume is watching baseball for the very first time, but who loves to go off on tangents about his love of house music. If you can believe it, this weekly event is free for everyone. So tune in some random weekday afternoon and watch us butcher your favorite team for three hours. Thanks to YouTube for sponsoring this week's show and for giving all you got with the MLB Game of the Week.
0: This is what I've been looking forward to all uh, weekend um, and, and earlier this week is talking about Tommy Pham. (laughs) <laughs> this is i i honestly i honestly think this is the most enjoyable this is definitely the most enjoyable story of this season i mean maybe maybe this decade um so i don't know so toby do you want to do you want to do this or shall i
2: i mean well, it, I, this let is me just i can start and then i think you have a. you have been working with our research team quite uh quite in depth about what has transpired here and i think i've only seen maybe two interviews with Jock Peterson. So I don't know the full extent, but my understanding is uh, there was a Reds game uh, with the Giants, and uh, Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson are, are both, um, well, the Reds and the Giants, respectively. And uh, pre-game during batting practice, there was a slapping incident in which Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson. Tommy Pham was removed from the lineup. Um, I think he's been suspended for a few games. Uh, Mr I think he served the suspension maybe um or was uh because you can't I guess he had he was like i I'm not gonna appeal this I obviously slapped the guy um and then it came out after the game what this was all about which apparently was and this is where I'll turn it over to you a fantasy yeah. football f-
0: I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this from Jock from John <laughs> because I, I honestly I think this might be like this should be hung as a quote on the hall in Cooperstown in the, in the museum in Cooperstown, his interviews are just
1: priceless. Like they're incredible. I've, I've watched this video five times. Yes. Same fascinating. So Um, go ahead, read it. Sorry. I didn't mean to, he, he, he was asked
0: what happened. And this is verbatim. We were in a fantasy league together. I put somebody, a player on the injured reserve when they were listed as out and added another player. And then there's a text message in the group saying I was cheating because I was stashing players on my bench. And I looked up the rules, sent a screenshot of the rules and how it says that when a player is ruled out, you're allowed to put them on the IR. And that was all I was doing. And then it just so happened that he had a player, Jeff Wilson, who was out and he had him on the IR. And I I said, you literally have the same thing on your (laughs) team, on your bench. And then I guess he was in two leagues and one of them he was on the IR and one of them he wasn't. So maybe there was confusion, but on the ESPN league we were in, he was listed as out. So it feels very similar to what I did. And that was basically all of it. There's not much more to it. (laughs) And and that was broadcast on national television across the United (laughs) States of America to millions and millions of baseball fans who are passionately following this day to day. And Tommy Pham was asked about uh, that explanation and he he. He exp- he explained his rationale. He said, "I slapped Jock." He said <laughs> some sh- he said some shit I don't condone. I had to address it. There was too much money on the line, and he was messing with my money. I'm a big dog in Vegas. I'm a high a high roller at many casinos, and he added that Jock Pederson had posted in the group of the fantasy league a funny meme. A funny meme. So as all as this comes out, you can start to see actually there is two sides to this story. Maybe Fam had a really really good case for slapping uh, Pederson. Pederson was asked about the gif, uh, about the meme, and and uh, he thinks I think this is the greatest quote of of any baseball uh, player I've ever uh, I've ever read. He said, "It is true. I did send a gif making fun of the Padres." And if anyone, if I hurt anyone's feelings, I apologize for that.
1: And <laughs> I just, I was just so a beautiful moment. Two things on that. One, like having him like be a hard G guy on on GIF, I think <laughs> was great, fantastic. I loved it. That is think, the that is the next note. There's a whole subculture
0: Jenny- to it. JD, I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't show you this. It's on my screen, but I promise you, the next line in our in our script is talking about how, how, how it is GIF, not JIF. <laughs> other- as, as, as soon as this podcast is
1: over, I am going to your website and donating to your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so the other, the other thing I think that is interesting though is so both players are not on the team. Like they were Dodgers, Padres. And last year, Dodgers Padres were, were it, well. I'm jacking it up with Atlanta, but like um, that was the rivalry for the last couple of years. And so, like that's it's it's interesting that they're in the same fantasy league and the rivalry and everything. I, I that's a little part of the story that I think is fascinating as well.
0: I mean, it's it's a whole Southern California thing because the the next bit of this story is Mike Trout's got involved. Mike Trout was apparently the commissioner of the fantasy league. And when Pham was asked about the whole thing blowing up, he blamed Trout for this situation. (laughs) I've got another I've got another quote because these quotes are so good. He this is this Tommy Pham. He said Trout did a terrible job, man. Trout is the worst commissioner in fantasy sports because he allowed a lot of shit to go on and he could have solved all, all of it. Nobody wanted to be commissioner. I didn't want to be the fucking commissioner. I've got other shit to do. He didn't want to do it. We put it on him. So it's kind of our fault too, because we made him the commissioner. After Pham <laughs> said that he was, uh, 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 Mike Trout was asked for a comment by The Athletic and he declined to comment. But, and this is breaking news, he is scheduled, and I this is genuinely true. He is scheduled to do a press conference this evening, Eastern time in New York City where I guess the Angels are in are in town playing the Yankees, he is going to address this at a press conference. And oh, honestly, I I think it might be our first ever Battery Meets li- Live episode to, to cover that <laughs> <because> <laughs> I, I, If somebody told me that this is literally a long, week-long, like, Saturday Night Live skit, right. I would say, yeah,
1: that probably makes sense. <laughs> what Chapeau. Do we know how much money? Because, like, it just said a lot of money. <laughs> in, in, has anybody come out with that part yet? Because, like, no. I mean, a lot of money to me, <laughs> to these guys, big yeah. difference. Yeah,
0: really big difference. I mean, he he says I'm a big dog in Vegas. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's not quantifiable. I don't know if there's a specific. You can only you can only call yourself a big dog if you've if you've spent X amount in Vegas, or whether there's rules about
1: that. I don't know, but it's
0: yeah. it's serious.
1: Self- it sounds serious. Self description of big dog is different than. Verified. <laughs> not, not to discredit him, but just we don't know. When you self-describe it, it, it's a little different.
2: They both they both signed in the offseason um pretty small deals, one year deals. Um I think Jock Peterson signed for six million in San Francisco, and I think I looked this up but didn't write it down. It was like seven or seven and a half million that Tommy Pham signed with the Reds. I, I know mm-hmm. this because in Cleveland they both players were on the list of people who we didn't sign um and so and they were like oh they went for seven and a half million dollars so you know that's too much money for Cleveland to give out apparently um anyway uh, Matthew anything else on uh I mean I imagine you'll be following this around the clock
0: yeah I mean I uh, this is this is way more interesting to me than the Nationals uh, uh, season uh right now until at least uh, we get any interest in the in the potential sale that we've got. So, uh, stand by for breaking news on that front. Um, but I'm just conscious of the time. I think we should uh, jump into the MLB uh, blackouts, which is really what got us interested in your candidacy in the, in the first place, uh, uh JD. I, I, I've never uh, uh, lived in Iowa and I've only spent a a day there. And so this has never affected me. But I genuinely, I mean, when I saw your email and I I read it and learned about the situation, and I, I, to be honest, I honestly couldn't quite believe that it was true. I mean, not, not that I was disbelieving you and 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 the campaign email but it just seemed it just seemed far-fetched so do you want to give us a uh, just give us listeners who who maybe aren't aware of of the specific situation in
1: iowa for for mlb viewers yeah so for major league baseball one way to watch games and more increasingly important way is st- streaming uh so if you buy the mlb package whether you stream it or whether you have it on tv um there are regional blackouts. And so the state of Iowa does not have a major league baseball team, yet we are blacked out of six different markets. So it's the Twins, Brewers, uh, both Chicago Cubs and White Sox, uh, Cardinals, and the Royals. And so if they're all playing other teams, that's 40% of major (laughs) league baseball on a given night. And here's where it gets worse. So uh, major league baseball cut minor league teams, even though they they passed an act, uh, and they, they lobbied with the agreement saying, like, hey, if you pass this, protect uh, the Pastime Act. Uh, we, I don't know what the official thing was, but basically it was. In, they were trying to say, if you pass this, we won't cut the team. They cut them anyways. <laughs> so this was um, uh, December of 2020 is when, when the teams got cut. So in Iowa, uh, we, we lost a couple teams. So now we're down to Cedar Rapids, Quad Cities, and Des Moines. And so if we're going to a local game, watching these teams and these players make it to the major league level, we cannot watch them play. (laughs) And so it's it's so for me, it's about growing the game and growing up in Iowa. uh, The reason why Iowa has so many Chicago Cubs fans, one is we have the Iowa Cubs in Des Moines. But the other part of it is every day after school got to see WGN. So You know, like Andre Dawson and, and Sean Dunstan and Mark Grace, like all these players, they there's some of like the most popular baseball players in Iowa because of that reason. You get to watch them play. And and so for me, this is uh, very uh, like Major League Baseball has tripled its profits in the last 20 years, which which is great. Grow the game that way. But when you're not allowing for the next generation to watch the product, it, it it's driving me nuts. And so at the Major League Baseball game in Dyersville, at, at the Field of Dreams game last year, uh, I ended up getting a ticket. And on my way there, I got a shirt printed. I had an old uh, three-quarter sleeves baseball shirt, and I I got it to um, – I, I put uh, uh, the words uh, "N Major League Blackouts on there. And I, I went to the game with it. And I – I mean, honest to God, I had probably 100 people like, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, like, it was just my little esoteric little thing I was doing. But uh, I also – knew exactly. Cause like, it was, I mean, a small little area of things and I kind of saw the way that people were moving and like the, there was a, l- a little bit of celebrities there and they were going into this tent. I'm like, I bet you Manfred is in, in that tent. <laughs> and so I stood out and I made eye contact with him and I'm pretty sure he saw my shirt. <laughs> um, so, so, um, so that, that's my big thing. And and so one of my campaign uh, I, I I I said in uh, that email and and on my website, it's if I uh, get elected here, I am going to go after Major League Baseball when it comes to ending Major League blackouts. Uh, If they don't do it themselves, I'm going to try and do something to raise awareness of this because to me, this is a much broader example of what's happening in the economy, where you have these billionaire owners. They they select the commissioner. And they dictate everything that happens. And at the end of the day, it's the people that get the short end of the stick. And so to me, this is just another example of that. And so um, that's that's my little spiel.
2: No, I, I think that the, te- the fact that the teams own so many of these cable companies that, uh, right. the, the, that show the games and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to live in, well, I, I'm, I live in Chicago and I'm lucky that Cleveland games aren't blacked out here except when they're playing yeah. in Chicago
1: Is
0: it the <laughs>
2: <laughs> and during the 2020 season when they 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 announced they were going to do uh it was you know 60 game season and they were only playing American League Central and National League Central teams I realized oh a third of the games right. are going to be played up against Chicago teams I need to get the cable I need to get the cable uh and I need right. to if I wanted to watch my team for a third of the games um and that was what broke me I ended up getting cable for the first time in a dozen years. Um, and yeah, it it's, it's ridiculous. And that's just Chicago. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, it, the thing that's so ironic here is that they, Iowa is used as this symbol, uh, you know, in field of dreams and the field of dreams game, but like the symbol of this romantic, like center of baseball of what's net, like just, you know, pure American baseball is Iowa, right? Like it's, you said, uh, uh, I think you described playing in Minnesota as heaven but this is um, th- that actually they do refer to Iowa as heaven in the movie <laughs> Field of <Right>. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't it's so it's so perfect it's a perfect encapsulation of like what's wrong here is that in the place where they are centering the romantic uh, game of baseball the romantic part of the game of baseball um, you literally can't watch the game of baseball on TV unless it's right. you have cable um, and I don't even know how yeah. it works I mean are, is it easy to get the cable package that has all of these teams,
1: no. Man, how could it no. be right? <laughs> no. Well, and and you think about how like like uh, I, I'm not sure at the level of how extra you have to pay for all this. I just you know I'll watch highlights. You know, I, yeah. I'm I'm not like I I love baseball. I love watching the Twins, but like I, I have my limitations. And um, but but you think about like kind of the strategy of how like originally blackouts were sold to. Uh, to fans. It's like, Oh, we want to make sure people come to the games. Like who in Sioux city is like, Hmm, I got eight hours. (laughs) I got an eight hour (laughs) drive. If I drive straight through to get to Milwaukee, I can get to the game tonight, you know, it's just whatever. It's, it's so frustrating, but it's, what's interesting to me and like kind of the political side of it is like, when I tweet out like something about and major league blackouts, I get people who like, or start following me who have, I've never seen politically before. And so it's just like one of those things where, like, this is a weird. It's it's not really a Democrat or a Republican issue. It's just like an issue right. for baseball fans, and and I, I think it's I think it's it's kind of cool that way.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I totally agree with that. But and I'd also say like it's just cool to see someone uh, running for political office who's talking about um, an issue like this because I I just I feel like especially on the progressive side, we kind of get. I it feels silly to say too political but like <laughs> this is a really important issue to um to working people middle class people who are being priced out and that sucks for their life but it also speaks to the the system that is being put in place that benefits a very very small number of people at the detriment of a very very large number of people and i just don't think like i don't think enough people in in politics on, on our side of politics um uh, think about that uh, i don't know why um i love the way that bernie is talking about minor league baseball a lot we had mike Kasker from bernie's office on a, a an episode earlier this season uh, i just wish it would happen a, a lot more but i tell you what the the one upside of moving to england um uh, a couple of years ago was no games are blacked out over here i live four thousand <laughs> miles away uh in a country that baseball is not huge in and i have absolutely no problem watching games <laughs> of baseball the fact that i can do that and people in iowa
1: can't is right nuts uh, i will say i mean there's a workaround when you stream it with the vpn stuff but, but <laughs> sure <laughs> but i mean it's Keep that the, the deal different. right right but but i think <laughs> you're exactly right like to me like i'm i'm huge on antitrust and and i feel like Democrats should be talking more and more about antitrust. And all of this leads to the same thing. And it's about Democrats sticking up to bullies. And, yeah. and to me, it's a winnable issue. Minor league baseball, I, I uh, did some volunteer stuff with uh, advocates for minor leaguers. Uh, I don't know if you know them, but you should definitely get them on. Um, uh, they are uh, leading the forefront of like minor league labor stuff. And to me, like when I I talked to a union uh, last year, when I was working with them and I just, I was talking uh, to them about like how, how this is like, it's hard to talk about labor issues to like the general public uh, uh, on certain stuff, but it's easy when you talk about like minor league baseball players, we have this image that they're multimillionaires and all this. (laughs) No, the majority of them, uh, the average minor leaguer makes less than $15,000 a year. They don't get paid for spring training. They, um, uh, it, like most of the year, like they don't have living situations. And last year, because of social media, there was all these t- uh, players that ended up having to sleep in their cars, sleep in uh, hotel uh, banquet rooms, not the rooms in in like the banquet rooms and uh, on the floor and, and different things like this. And so because of social media, we were able to get it out and saying, hey, this is not right. When you have these billionaire owners, they're asking uh, for just, like for the, to to pay a decent wage for all minor leaguers was like an extra million dollars or two per owner or something like, which really is, is peanuts for a lot of these folks. And, and it's just, it's symbolic of what's happening in America. And so uh, they, they did uh, major league baseball said they were going to push for housing. and, And a lot of teams have gone with it, which is great, but but what major league baseball isn't doing or isn't promising is better wages for, for these guys. And to me, it's because people don't show their paychecks on social media. Hmm. They can complain about it. And, and people are like, Oh, you're chasing a dream like that. You should be just happy to get paid. But like at the end of the day, there's also a level of, pay- I mean, these guys are being paid below minimum wage and, and that's not right. And so I think it's a good way of talking about, uh, labor rights and, and, and all that. And so I think you're right.
2: I think that's, a, I mean, I'm glad we said this is the first time we'll have you on because, um, I think we have a lot to talk about, um, and a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I, I, I think, um, this was by far away. One of my favorite shows we've done in a, in a long time. Um, so JD, thanks so much for, for being part of it. And, um, you know, you're, you said you are pitching tomorrow. Uh,
1: I am. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. My my last outing, uh, I threw in relief in four innings, just as a prepare. This is my first start of the year, uh, but I had eight strikeouts in, in four innings, and uh, um, but with a really crappy um, slurve. And so I've been working on that. So I'm I'm eager to bust that out. And so, uh, I, I, well,
2: I love I love the name of the pitch, the slurve. Um, yeah, Corey, <laughs> Corey Kluber famously threw a, throws a slurve, and I, yeah. I learned that yeah, term from him.
1: I'm kind of a, a three quarters guy, like he is, and so I get a lot of movement on my fastball. So um, that's that's where my money maker is is, is <laughs> that movement, getting ground balls all day.
0: Uh, we we will be we will be rooting for you to uh, uh punch out the 18 year old punk ass college kid. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let's just hope he's not a, not a voter in the district. <laughs> JD, thanks so much for for joining us. We really appreciate your time, and we'll we'll make sure people have got your your details on on the show notes
1: uh, if they want to uh, follow you, find out more. Deeply appreciate it. I had a blast, and would love to come back on. And what is the website, JD? Uh, Sholten, That's my last name. S C H O L T E N F O R I O W A. Sholten for Iowa.
2: Amazing. Um, well, I hope you continue to have no uh, opponents um, <laughs> and that uh, you know your, your games aren't blacked out uh, that <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Matthew, um, I know I, you're heading out to uh, to you know it's nighttime where you are. Uh, anything you have before you hit the hay?
0: Well, it's um, we're coming up for for June. It's midsummer um, in three weeks' time, so it is actually um, 10 p.m. just gone, 10 p.m. here, but it's still light outside. So I think it is just a just about bright enough for me to go outside and shake some balls.
2: Shake those balls.